As a priest, I feel personally convicted by that first reading about the shepherds who don't care for their sheep. But I think as a, as a church as a whole, it's the gospel today that, that could not be more applicable to our society. And I think it's incredible how easily I find myself falling into the kind of American busy lifestyle where I'm running from one thing to the next with kind of a ferocious efficiency, never easing up, never thinking about what I'm doing. And when it comes down to it, very few of the things that keep me busy are essential or necessary or meaningful. I actually just spoke to a young woman the other day who told me that her deepest desire was to come to know God, that she knew that that's exactly what she needed and that's the only thing that she wanted, but that she hadn't prayed in weeks because she's just so busy and that her family hadn't gone to church in months because every, every weekend they're just doing one thing or another. And she was actually pretty distraught about it because there was no end in sight. It's not like their lifestyle was going to change anytime soon. That's just the way they lived. So she was worried that she was never going to come to know the Lord. And I think for us today, just one sports season rolls into the next. You know, there's not even a weekend in between now. They overlap. And, you know, music and, and dance and outdoor sports kind of fill all the spaces in between. And then when you finally get home in the evening, whether it's 8.30 or 10 p.m., you just, all you have the energy to do is send your kid into their room so they can play Fortnite all night, and then you can just sit down on the couch and binge on Netflix for a few hours because that's the only thing you have the energy to do at the end of the day. And this is kind of what the American dream has become. And is it making us happy? I think that's a legitimate question. You know, is, is more always better in this case? I think I was lucky enough to grow up in the 90s, which I think is the last generation in human history where we'll experience a thing that we call boredom. Like, we were actually bored from time to time. And our, our parents weren't big on video games, and they got cable for exactly one week when I was a kid, and we sat there and watched the same movie over and over and over again. And then so they got rid of cable, and that was the end of that. And pretty much my parents just kind of kicked us out of the house in the summer. Said, see you in August when school starts again. And that left me and my brother and our kind of gang of friends just wondering what we were going to do with ourselves. And I think out of that boredom came this incredible creativity. Whether it, we made up a bunch of different sports, one was golf, baseball, golf, where we had a whole 27 hole course that went throughout our whole neighborhood, and we had the great fence adventure, which was kind of climbing on different fences throughout the neighborhood, trying to see how far you could go without touching the ground. Just, just goofy things like this. And then at the end of the day, just wandering around and talking about life. You know, the big questions, as big a questions as a 12 year old can ask, which is pretty serious. And one thing's for sure, and I didn't realize it then, but I realize it now, and that's that my childhood gave me a deep sense of the importance of boredom. Not necessarily boredom in itself, but of a solitude, of a sort of inactivity as the source of real creativity. That we kind of need to feel that uh, if we really want to start asking the big questions. 
You know, we do need work. I'm not saying like we need to all be inactive. We need work. Even in the garden before the fall, Adam and Eve were given jobs. They worked. Yet now, in our society, we, we kind of live to work. And if our work doesn't enslave us, then certainly our smartphones and our hobbies and video games will do the trick. And trust me, I, I, feel, I feel this pressure because well, one of my buddies talked me into trying to do this 50-mile Butte 50 bike race, and in my totally inadequate training, even in that, I feel kind of the pull of, of the addiction to that sort of lifestyle, the pull to like orient my whole free time and everything around that one thing. It's kind of an all-consuming lifestyle. And I have to resist that. The, the need to constantly be doing something all the time. And what, what brought us into this kind of exhausting mess that, that our culture's in today? Because we, we aren't just victims of culture, we create culture. So what brought us into this? I'm sure I've used this quote before, and this won't be the last time I ever use it, because it's one of my favorites, but Blaise Pascal tells us that all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Say that one more time. All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. If we, if we didn't enjoy, in some shallow way at least, the iPhone's ability to just distract us from the world around us for hours on end, distract us from who we really are, from asking questions about ourselves, then we wouldn't invest tons of money in it and, and our whole identity in this platform. And if we didn't really think that, that sports were kind of the root of our happiness, then we wouldn't sacrifice every moment of our life taking our kids from one sport, from school sports, to travel sports, to dance, to whatever. But I'll tell you one thing for sure, that none of those things, none of those pursuits, will ever bring you joy. Never. No matter how much time you put in, no matter how successful you are, no matter how much popularity or attention you gain from them, in fact, I think that there's this horrible twist in, these sort of, in loving these sort of things that, that the more we pour our identity into these worldly pursuits, the more empty we are because they can't give us life. And the gospel today gives us a very different way to be, a different way to live. You know, the apostles have just been sent out on mission and they come back really excited, pumped up to tell the stories of everything that they've experienced. And Jesus, very wisely, tells them to just come away to a deserted place. To go off by themselves and just be with him. He knows solitude in this moment is essential for them because they've just experienced something huge and they need to process it with God. And just to be with him to be rejuvenated. But of course, as is true in our world today, they make that move towards prayer. They say, yes, we're going off to this deserted place. And they head that direction, and the crowds beat them to it. Because that's always going to be the way it is when we try to pray. Whenever we try to spend time with the Lord, the world is going to come crashing in. The urgency of the world is going to seem overwhelming. You're going to think, I cannot make this time. It's impossible. But as is also true for us, Jesus himself steps into the breach for the apostles. So he moves to the crowd and begins to teach them in order that the apostles can go off by themselves and be with the Lord. 
The world is always going to push in on our desire for solitude. And the urgency of life is going to seem impossible to overcome. Like that young woman I talked to, her deepest desire was to know the Lord, but she was just being tossed about by the urgency of life. Now, I feel it as a priest. Like, I have to fight hard for time to pray, and it's my job to pray. Like, I, I, don't, I feel like I don't even have the time, and it's my job. So trust me, I know that it's certainly difficult for you to carve out that time. That's, it's got, it's got to be, you've got to make incredible sacrifices to do it. But what's the alternative? You know, like when, when we look at our lives, at everything that we're doing, at everything we're going about doing in our daily life, and, and at the goals of our life, like, why are we doing it? What's the point? If we're, if we're not praying, if we're not actually rooting everything in the Lord, then what does all of it even mean? You know, are we just doing it for entertainment? To take up the day? Are we just doing it for kind of that momentary satisfaction? Or are we just doing it because everybody else is doing it? And none of those are good reasons to do anything, ever. You know, they're terrible reasons to be doing things. Especially to be doing things that your whole life is rooted in. And so, if we do fight for that time of solitude, for, for real prayer, to be with the Lord, it's then that we actually find meaning in everything else that we're doing. Augustine, St. Augustine wrote this whole essay on what's called means and ends. And so we have certain things that, that are an end of our activity. And then we have kind of means to that end. You know, it's kind of logical practice there. But he says the only end in our life, the only thing that we should be living our life for, the only purpose is God. And everything that, that kind of revolves around worshiping and serving God. And everything else in our life, everything else in our life should be a means to that end. Everything else that we do should be a means to worshiping and serving God. And if we flip those two, if we make the means to the end into our end, it will always be a disaster, no matter what. No matter how noble the cause, if the, if the purpose of our life is anything other than God, then it's always going to be a disaster and it's never going to lead to joy. But if we put things in their proper place, if we make all the things that we love doing into a means to worshiping God, then we will actually find true joy in doing them because they're in their proper place. We're not looking to them for the meaning of our life. We're actually just we're looking to them for the joy of the day. You know, I, I always see guys and, and young girls, just young people in general, wearing shirts that say various things. And one of my least favorites is like, ball is life. Or like, volleyball is life. It's a common one. And all I can help think is like, no, volleyball is not life. Basketball is not life. It's fun. You know, I love to coach basketball because I think basketball is a great team sport that you know, has a lot of great spiritual lessons and lessons in friendship and, you know, plenty of things. But it's not life. You know, it's not going to bring you life. And the more we pour our identity into those things, just the, the less joy we're ever going to receive from them and from life in general. You know, they're, not, they're never going to satisfy anything. And especially because there's just not a lot of LeBron James is walking around Butte. And even LeBron James is never going to find the deepest joy in his life from basketball. But in our right place, 
our jobs and our hobbies can actually be a sure sign of God's love for us and his desire for us to be happy. You know, before this is possible, before any of this joy is possible, we need to give first place to what is first. And that's coming to know God in a very real way through resting and solitude. And if we don't fight for this time, we're just literally never going to know what our life means. No, we're never going to know our purpose. But if we do, then we will know our mission here on this earth. And when we know our mission, then, then we just have a zeal that consumes everything. And that even the smallest tasks suddenly become meaningful when we have a mission. And so today, you know, we often obviously bustle about like sheep without a shepherd. But we need to let the true shepherd, Jesus Christ, lead us into the wilderness daily, every single day, to be refreshed. Yet he can give us a focus and an energy and a direction to everything that we do. Amen.